Welcome to episode 39 of Rain City Supercars. I'm Nick. I'm Dan. And this week we actually have a guest. It's not just us. Well, besides the multiple personalities we have. Yes. Yeah. They're screaming loudly. Exactly. So many voices. <laughs> this week we have Blake Seabee from, uh, we introduced him as Blake from Northwest Auto Salon, but he does a lot more than that, which is why we have him on the show today. Well, he's a fellow car guy. He's a Northwester. He's a big eclectic car collector. He has one of my favorite car collections. Well, just, yeah. It's because it's so different. Yeah. Well, he's, he's different. As it he works. says, nope. Given. <laughs> so you don't have to beat me that time. No, I don't. Good job. Dan's been beeping me and I didn't realize it. <laughs> it's usually unnecessarily, but... <laughs> Unnec- kind of unnecessary. But welcome. Yeah. Thank you for having me. We're glad you could come. We're glad you'd come. Um, you know, it uh, took us a while to figure out our schedule and nail everything down, but... Um, we're here. We're here. Yeah, absolutely. Actually, in our, in our temporary new digs. Yeah. <laughs> Rain City Supercars took a, permanent, or took a slight move for the moment uh, because I moved and... <laughs> Yeah. This is our first guest since we moved. So, yeah. Yeah. We have a nice, much nicer view now. So, and it's cooler. That tire fire really brings out the night. <laughs> I'm telling you. Blake's no. <laughs> looking out there like, wait a minute. Like, the downtown Bellevue tire fire. <laughs> you know, I think it's still taking over Seattle these days, but. <laughs> Seattle hurt Dan. We don't talk about it. Welcome. A lot of our guests know you, obviously, from Northwest Auto Salon, and a lot of our guests know you from the cars you brought out to Exotics at Redmond Town Center. And some of our guests would probably know you from your Rain City, or not Rain City Supercars, Red, uh, Red Square car show that you put on for how many years? Last, or not this past year, but the year before was our 10th and final show. 10th and final show. Um, yeah. And so it had been going for a really long time, and it was a great cause and a great show and great attendance, and it was something that we were all really proud of. Yeah, well, and like I said, you and you are a, not only a lover of cars, but you are a lover of animals as well, and that's how you got you guys kind of got into that whole situation, correct? Correct. Yeah, I at the inception of the car show, I owned a rescue dog, and her name was Moki, and Moki was an English bull terrier, which is also best known as like the Spuds McKenzie dog, and Moki was a rescue. Kind of long story short, I owned a bull terrier previous, and Moki and her were litter mates, and so it was by sheer coincidence and fate that I ended up rescuing my dog's sister later on in life, about six years later. So by having a rescue dog, you know, it really makes you be compassionate about animals just in general and their unfortunate situations that crappy humans put them into. And so pause. Being a progressive animal welfare society, well-established, Pacific Northwest-based, no-kill, all the right reasons to support PAWS and to raise money for them annually was something that I really looked forward to, and I'm really glad that we were able to do that. And I actually, and I say this, I had the joy of, of getting to know Moki. She was a wonderful dog and a beautiful soul. Yes. <laughs> Great dog. I mean, so, um, but let's take, let's, let's take our guests back a little bit. I mean, we always like to talk to our, our, our guests about where the, where the car bug came from, how you got into the automotive world, why you like cars, things of that nature. Did it come as a kid? Are you like Dan and I that had 600, you know, Hot Wheels cars running around and, you know, and Legos and crap like that. Well, not, not much has changed, but. <laughs> <laughs> Takes a look around. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Looks around the park. Well, there's a lot of Legos and cars so here. So tell me about your childhood yeah. that's still going <laughs> on still now. Still going? Yeah. My child, yeah. <laughs> I refuse to give it up. <laughs> so my love for cars started at a very young age. And I will, I, I've got, I've got to kind of backtrack really quick. Sure. Is I grew up in my parents' business. And by in it, I mean I was in the thick of it. They would get up early. They would stay late, stay all hours of the night. And my parents were very devoted business owners and they were passionate and it was so motivating. And that's kind of like, I'll get into that later with like my business. Yeah, no one's ever questioned your work ethic. In the yeah, family. no. Yeah. yeah. Well, exactly. uh, when did you go home? Thursday? Yeah. <laughs> After working for three yeah, days exactly. straight. Yeah. yeah. So by growing up with my parents, I got to see like what, like what really drove somebody. And for my parents, it wasn't money, it was flowers. My parents owned business, it was called Boise Botanical Gardens, and it was like a gift shop, indoor plants. Uh, my dad did all the lighting for all of the downtown buildings in Boise. He strung the lights on all the outsides of them. He did landscape management. He did anything that somebody could throw at him that was creative, having to do with landscaping, hardscaping, plants in general, whereas my mom was a florist. And so they were 
kindred spirits with one another and they were extremely passionate and dedicated. So I got to see that growing up and it was really instilled from a very young age what working or having a job or owning your business, what that meant and what that looked like. I swear when I was a kid, I had no idea. I thought they were so crazy how much time and energy that they would spend in their business. And now looking back, I'm but like... It's, it's passion. Like you said, yeah. they didn't do it for the money. They did it for the power. I didn't know you grew up in Boise. Like Boise is one of Dan and I's favorite, favorite cities. Easily. Like, it's I, gotten a lot better. I feel yeah. like... Yeah. yeah. When I'm I lived stealing there... stealing Dan's idea here, but I would love to retire there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, the good part is, is you pretty much could retire there now oh, absolutely. by just like yeah. getting yeah. rid of everything here True. and going True. there. Yeah, yeah. Is this is this an intervention to sell Legos and cars? I'm, I'm not doing it. <laughs> I'm still planning on retiring there. I think that's my future plan. Is if I'm I'm tempted to buy there now and move there later because by the time I retire, I'll be paid off and I could actually retire early because I'm such a like low maintenance kind of person. I don't need a lot of stuff. Unrelated. So. I know you, you several people. I know several people. I'm just saying. <laughs> Hypothetically, of course. I there's there's several people in the car community that I've talked to all about their desires to move to Boise. So maybe even some of the people listening today or oh, on I'm the sure. show are like, yep, that's me. Yep. But it's uh, it's definitely gotten better over the years. I wouldn't, if it hadn't gotten better from when I left there at 10 years old, I wouldn't ever say the things that I say about it today. Which Even is 15 years ago, I used to pass through. It was kind of a map dot. And you're like, well, I'm here. Okay. And now it's what awesome. To do? Yeah, yeah. Great food. There's great businesses. I mean, there's tons of great little downtown stuff to do. It's And there's a ton of... If you're a driver, it is heaven. Because you're just like 15 minutes out of Boise on the busiest traffic day, maybe 18. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. yeah. The traffic is really, is really, I mean, non-existent. So it's great. Yeah. The vibrant downtown area, all like what, nine blocks of it? Something like that? <laughs> Well, it's there's multiple now. sections. There's, well, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking of like the, the area by the capital or, or the capital area, yeah, yeah. Like, and, and the university and things like that. But yeah. I forgot you grew up in Boise. I mean, we've talked about that even, but I totally slipped my mind until right now. And, and that if you go to Dan's Drives, my multi-day, the Ultimate Drivers Weekend, that is the most grueling two-day drive I've ever done. And as uh, one of our listeners, James, has done it, and he was like, "Okay, you weren't kidding about the tool set and the tires and the brake pads and the brake fluid and everything Didn't his else." Exhaust fall off? Yeah, <laughs> like on a newer Mustang, like fell off. Yeah, yeah, yeah off. well, he had replaced the exhaust. I think one Still. of the clamps was just loose, and so it Still. it just rattled loose. But it was just he's he's like, I had, I've never got an arm pump in my car on the street driving that route. And it's yeah, there's so many great roads around there. You guys don't even he know. He needs to drive the Triumph. I get an arm pump every time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no power steering. Power what? Yeah. 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 <laughs> Learn to drive on a 66 Ford, no power steering or the four speed or the granny gear. Yeah, everything was effort. No power brakes, nothing. You got to anyway. get one of those. What were those things that went on your steering wheels? There, there the, was a, the knob. Knob, yeah. yeah. Was, there was there was a name for them. Yeah. It was a suicide knob. That's suicide what it was knob. called. Okay. Yeah. Because yeah. if you hit your steering wheel, it was going right through your chest. Well, hmm. well you learn something new every day. So there you go, right? Why it was a suicide knob. <laughs> so your, 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 your parents, your mother being a florist and your father doing... Yes, yeah, so passion. Yeah. Right? And... When I was a kid, I was really into American Sign Language because my elementary school, we had a lot of deaf kids that went to the school and I was very much like a visual learner. And that translates to like cars, whereas like, you know, we grew up, you know, a very humble. Again, I said my parents didn't care much about money, so it was very humble growing up. And when we would take vacations, we would go on road trips, generally from Boise to the Oregon coast or Northern California or Southern Washington, sometimes Seattle, just depends on, you know, the once a year type of trip. And at night, whether it was driving on a road trip or just coming home from my parents' business, every night I would just look out and I would identify the cars by their headlights and I would state them out loud, three, four years old, telling my parents what kind of cars they were. And I know that they were just rolling their eyes and being like, <laughs> I have no idea if you're right or wrong. Will you just shut up? Like, well, we still do that when they're, when, especially when the headlights are behind you. You're like, are those Crown Vic headlights? Yes. Are those, yeah. uh, yes. Explorer headlights. This, this skill that I developed <laughs> at a very young age has been extremely helpful, uh, and you know, you know, I'm sure that it's uh, paid yeah. off and then some just by being able to identify. Yeah. Oh, Explorer. Oh yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Charger. Charger. Yikes. Oh, Charger. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Push bar. A little lower than normal. A yeah. uh, little reflector in the middle there. Yep. Slow down. Yeah. Slowing down. Slowing down. 
<laughs> yep. Nice. So how did you make the transition with your, pam- your family from Boise to here? Uh, so my dad moved us up to the Pacific Northwest when I was 10 for a new job. And we first went to Gig Harbor for a couple years. So spent some time there. And then we moved to Seattle after that. And the rest is history. As yeah. They say. And yeah. you stayed. And then we stayed. And opened one of the best detailing businesses in the Northwest. Well, that has a lot to do with the fact that growing up every summer, I would spend with my grandparents. And my my grandfather was, uh, you know, a high-ranked military officer um, who would white glove my room that I would stay in the day that I got there. If it wasn't up to snuff, it was a bad start to my summer vacation. Wow. So you had to get there and clean the room when you got there? Yeah. Okay. I went to military school, so I understand. The quarter on the bed? No. No? Not quite, Didn't but but okay. definitely like white glove in the hardest to reach areas, even when you're like four years gonna, old. I was going to say, a little taller than you were. Yeah. <laughs> like, why is the top of this cabinet? <laughs> Sir, I can't reach that. <laughs> <laughs> and he collected boats and RVs and cars, and definitely he ended up getting quite a few cars from my uncle, who was a big car enthusiasts, mostly Porsches, but my grandparents, they had gotten like a BMW 2002, which I still like remember the smell and the way that the seats felt, a Volvo 240, a 1982 GMC truck that had a four-speed granny gear, squeaky clutch pedal that I inherited from my grandpa, and I fixed everything on that truck with the exception of the squeaky clutch pedal after I got it, because that sound reminded me every time of childhood. Because he'd be towing his fifth wheel, I'd hear the clutch, you know, the cl- the clutch squeak as we were going up from Boise to McCall, because that's where we towed the fifth wheel to every year. And I owned that car for a little while, and then somebody I knew ran it out of oil and oh. ruined the truck, which was uh, tragic. But, um, you know, the memories are still there. It's amazing how many car stories go back to like family and things of that yep. nature. Like so many. I mean, we had, we had a good friend of ours that just bought his grandfather's uh, Coronet, Corvair, Corvair. Corvair yeah. this weekend. Like, couldn't have made his grandfather more proud. Like, it's just keeping c- cars in the family. But that's interesting that you fixed everything except the pedal. I like that. <laughs> yeah, this was after I inherited it, not oh. at four years old. No. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Cleaning rooms, fixing cars. Like, I can do this, sir. He did. He did have me detail everything, and it was mostly fear-based that I did a really good job, to be honest. Um, it's the look on your face, because right now he's not looking at us, but he's looking into a dark hole, going fear-based. <laughs> exactly. Thank you, sir. May I have another? Yes. Yeah. So I learned. I learned good, and I learned fast what to do and what not to do, and how to maintain cars, and you know. If he was still alive, I'd tell him that I could teach him a thing or two. But, you know, bless his heart. I learned plenty as it is. So you learned that the small details, which pays off in your business now. Yes. Yeah. yeah entirely. Yep. So what, what ended up being your first car? My first car. Well, I my first automobile was a 76 Chevy pickup truck, uh, three quarter ton. And that was what I drove for a short period of time. But I had started working when I was 14, doing landscaping projects and saving up money and getting ready to go. And at 15, when I first got my driver's permit, I actually ended up buying an Audi 90, which was a front wheel drive, three speed auto, really low mileage car that came out of Hawaii that was owned by my girlfriend's parents at the time. And man, did I ever do, you know, the the unthinkable high school mods on that thing. That's a common you know? theme with everybody. We're like, oh man. I, I wish Underglow would come back. I think it makes it really easy to work under the Mine car. Mine was just, my, <laughs> the, the most embarrassing part, I think, was the mirror reflective tint, but it had oh, just come out. I remember that. And yeah. Yeah. Uh, actually, a shop that's still around today is the one that installed it. I don't think they install reflective film anymore, but we did a group buy through the Audi World Forums, which I, I was a huge participant in back in the day and yeah i mean the wheels were not expensive or nice wheels i showed it at like waterworks and won a trophy and yeah i mean i still felt like you know 16 years 15 years old driving an audi 90 that was mine and and it was like personalized it was like that's what gave me the true taste of like you know modifying cars or personalizing cars and everybody was always astonished that like everything that was on the car was done by me. 
and you know including like building custom subwoofer boxes to house oh the name brand of the subwoofer i can't remember say jail phoenix gold no it was uh hertz oh hertz and that was like that was balling back in the day like that was like no everybody was like how did you build this box wow look at that sub and like you know it wasn't quite like rattle your teeth out like (laughs) some of my other cars later became uh (laughs) but this one was like a really good uh overall sound system i'm realizing that that we we are now becoming the vintage car generation. That's oh, totally. We did. I mean, I had Solarback tw- uh, Solarback twelves in the back of a Subaru Legacy that about blew, about blew my back window open, and I was the whitest kid in my school, <laughs> bumping to Nelly. So, oh. <laughs> yeah. I was just thinking waterworks. This is a term I haven't heard in a long time. That was when that at that point it would have been when Matt from Evolution Sports and Everett was pretty much running the show, and he was also doing uh, Leavenworth Drive. Yep, I exactly. Believe, too. Yeah, yep. it's R.I.P. Yeah. That's before me. Yeah. Anyway, let's take a quick break because uh, your cars are an interesting story among themselves, and I would love to hear some of the stories behind them. So we'll take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Hey, this is Nick from Rain City Supercars. This part of the podcast is brought to you by M Squared Fitness. Personalized fitness, personalized performance. Find M Squared Fitness online at m2-fitness.com. Mention Rain City Supercars. Get your first session free. And we're back. So before we left, I wanted to touch base on... Blake has some of the most interesting cars that you will probably ever see around here. Which Not only has he owned, but he's created some of the most yes, interesting cars. Yes, created is the more important part, I think, of this discussion because I, there's, it's one of those things you look at the car and bef- you, you know there's a story behind it immediately because it's not like you just have a nice car that you fixed up and restored. Everything from your Porsche to the truck to the AMG to the Citroen. I mean, like, these are all wonderfully unique cars. Forgot about your Mercedes. Yeah, I love that thing. I just remember it. You were in the vi- you were in Mix's video, weren't you, with that car? Oh, that's my CL. I think the he's CL. talking about my GLA, my new one. Oh, the, the GLA. GLA. Oh, that one. Okay, no, I was talking about the CL. Yeah, the CL <laughs> yeah. was one of my favorite cars of all time, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, that is one hell of a car. Let's start with the the matching pair, the the Plymouth, <laughs> the twins, truck. yes, and the, the twins, and the Porsche, which couldn't be any more polar opposite vehicles. Of course not. And yep. this is and the best thing about the Porsche is this is way before the RWB days. Thank you for recognizing. That. This is like um, if you've and ever done s- better. Uh, 1978 Chuck Norris good guys wear black that 930 he's got in the it's, it's not it's 78 so what would that be his 911 race car is in there like yeah. that's the first thing that pops it would have been up. the it would have been the same generation yeah the 934 is what I built my car off of was like the the 934 series turbo car let's rewind to like the truck so my 1980 Plymouth Aero sport truck I bought with 50,000 original miles from the second owner the first owner was apparently uh without documentation the first owner was a Chrysler executive and he got the car after they did the promotional material which I have like the original like sales books that have my exact colorway of the my exact truck like I have those in physical form and the Chrysler exec apparently contracted some form of cancer and sold it to his neighbor and his neighbor was a huge Mopar nut and when I went down there to buy this he was unfortunately selling it because he had contracted pancreas or I think it was either colon cancer he 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 contracted some some form of awful cancer which sucked but when there I went was only to his a house, factor between these two people. Yeah, <laughs> the seats right? made straight from asbestos. <laughs> exactly. But it also kind of is weird because they were neighbors, and maybe it was in the water. Yeah, yeah. You, you never know yeah. in situations yeah. like that. Yeah, they glowed at night. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the strangest thing was that he had garage kept this car, and what was weird was the cars that were sitting outside. We are talking Hemikudas sitting outside. And this Plymouth Aero Sport truck in pristine, low mileage condition got the only spot in the garage that wasn't like a lift to work on his collection of insanely expensive Hemi Mopars. I mean, he had he had a Daytona with the big wing. Like he had some really cool cars, but this truck <laughs> was like his prized possession. Yeah, but and I, I kind of get that. I, I don't think I've ever seen one except yours. And, I never and have. Yeah. I. Mine is phenomenal, or I love it because I truly love all original paint cars. Like, you still own that car? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I drove it just the other day. Okay, I, that 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 was what I was confused because I know one of the twins 
separated yes, the group. But the, yeah, okay. uh, the the Porsche is no longer. Well, it's it has a new life, which I could maybe talk about, but probably not. Okay, so <laughs> I, have, co- I have photos. We'll leave it at that. The color on the truck. Yes, the, the color on the truck. Hundred percent, hundred percent original. The paint coat, I believe, is P71 warm white, which is underneath the engine hood. Or, uh, you know, obviously the hood of the engine. Well, of course. Um, <laughs> but it's warm white. It has the original graphics on it. I haven't redone anything. I did put clear bra to protect the graphics and to, like, just make sure that they would be there for a long time. And so I clear bra those. I'm just I did it myself. Oh, out of boy, out of boy. So, that it, so if those of us that have seen it, then the, the Porsche you, you painted or, or, or vine put, how did you make it match? Uh, I painted it and then I put vinyl on it, it and I okay. custom designed the vinyl and even down to like the Pantone and like printing color samples because modern day printing is different than the screen printing that was done on the decals of the truck. That, those were originally screen printed. So the color is like really extremely rich and like doesn't, it's not pixelated like the graphics that you see get printed today. So it took me quite a while to like dial it in just the way I wanted to. And on the Porsche, I had bought it from a friend of mine. His name was Modern Tom, and he was a mid-century modern real estate agent, aficionado, enthusiast. And he had this 930 Turbo sitting in his garage for every every time I ever knew him. It was just never moved. So I eventually convinced him to sell it to me so I could breathe some life into it. The car had been previously wrecked. It did have a salvage title, so that's kind of why it was okay for me to chop it up, I think. And it was also before 930s went crazy. And I sourced all the parts through friends of mine that I ended up getting the 934 wing that was a mold from somebody who had actually, like, raced with Porsche, with Brumos and had a mold of the fiberglass wing that I needed to get in California, send to another place to have the wing or to have the mold reconditioned. And they were able to pop me one more rear tail fin section. And they did that for me in carbon, like another shop, not the shop that originally built the wings, but they got the mold, reconditioned the mold, popped it in carbon. And I, it was, it was awesome. That um, is awesome. It, that's epic. I mean, yeah. And the mold the mold was toast after I was done. <laughs> I couldn't make any more. They couldn't make any more. They were like, we're so lucky you, we got this Did you actually buy one. the mold? I, yes. Yes? Okay. Yes. Huh. And you, um, what were the wheels on that thing? The wheels were, at the time, they were custom made by Rotiform. And they had this wheel. And it basically was reminiscent of like the BBS fan blades, like the 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 original Fally, the fan blades that they put as like on the BBS centers that cooled the brake ducts, but it had that same mesh pattern, but it was an actual wheel. So if I remember correctly, the, the rears were 15 by 18 inch, 15 wide. Yeah. And the fronts were 11 or 13 wide by by 18. But the overall stance of the car and everything else, everybody always thought the wheels were much larger just because proportionally it just looked yeah, like they it, were it 20s. She had a big booty. Yeah. 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 If you guys are listening to this and you don't check our webpage to see the photos of this, sis, you are seriously missing out. And I, I still I want to call out here. This is way before the RWB stuff, which is what makes this so cool to me. You were This was trend setting way ahead of the time. Everything from the wheels to the, the fenders to the wing. This thing's maximum wide body. In fact, if you guys, for the older generation of us who grew up with car movies, it reminds me a ton of the car that Burt Reynolds drove in the very beginning of Cannonball Run 2, the one he wrecks off the road that's done in the matte paint, and they're talking about it, radar absorbing or laser absorbing paint and all that. Yeah, California suede. Yeah, exactly. And so it reminds me exactly of that car. And so it's just every time I see it or see photos of it now that nostalgia just comes back at me. And I, I freaking love that car that you did. It was one of my favorite ones I've ever seen. How long did the project take you? It only took me a couple months, but just like, yeah, it had been all pre-planned and I literally worked around the clock on it. I mean, I finished it moments before I debuted it and drove it on no sleep for like three days, I drove it to the Red Square Car Show and debuted it there. And, you know, it's my own show, but, you know, people's choice was still very clear. I think it was like 90% votes yeah. for my car. And everybody <laughs> the was only like, not give, it to the, give it to the next. I was like, can we just give it to the next person? And they're like, there, it's like a three-way tie 
for the next place. And it was like, well, okay, I'll accept it. Fine. I'll take it for all and my I, hard work. Yeah. And I like, before they even announced it, I like passed out from heat stroke because I was so tired and it was like really hot that, that show. And I was out in the sun all day and just, I just had had enough. <laughs> Red square quite cranks up the heat. Yes, yeah. it does. So, yeah. And it's like a brick oven in there quite literally. Yep. Almost, uh, yeah. Another unique thing for viewer listeners to view on the website is that it had yellow tint and it, that was really cool because it actually like improves your visibility. Like as weird as that seems, yeah, the, contrast, like, it the contrast was amazing having yellow glass and I think it's technically illegal, but I never ran into that problem, but it was a really cool unique experience. It had a cage. The cage was done by Cantrell. That's that cage ended up saving my life in the incident that obliterated the car. I wasn't at fault, but the car was destroyed. It's a nice plug for Cantrell. I know uh, we, we have uh, Keith from Northrop Fab coming on next week, actually, and he actually has done cages for Cantrell in the past, too. I wonder who did yours. Yeah, mine was a prefabbed unit. They welded it in, ah. but I was really on the fence, but uh, Colin took care of me. I put the cage in and I don't regret it at all. I mean, you don't regret the cost of a cage or the cost of manufacturing or fabricating or whatever. When the time comes where the cage saves your life. Yeah. You don't care if the cage costs $20,000. No. Because you're alive. Exactly. Right. Mine was not that expensive, but like some of the crazy rally fabrication for some of the cages and the, you know, FIA Yep. rules and regulations and all the crossbars and the amount of work and craftsmanship that goes into some of these high level cages. It's expensive, but it's worth it, especially when it saves your life. Yeah. I was a quick side note. I was, uh, obviously you guys know I do driving all the time and I took, I did one of my dreams a couple of years ago. I drove my GTR to Pikes Peak and I went to the Pikes Peak museum in Colorado Springs or Manitou Springs, Colorado Springs. Anyway, it's free. Anybody can go in and just walk, walk into the hotel where it's at and it's free to visit the museum. Well, they have that, uh, that Evo that did like the 100 mile an hour off the curb. And you watch this crash. And just if you look up Pikes Peak Evo crash, it'll be the first thing that comes up with a 1,000 results. It's one of the most terrifying things you'll ever see. This car bullets off the side of a cliff. If you've been to Pikes Peak, that's like a quarter mile down before it hits again. And he walks away from it. They have the car in the museum. Uh, it's like up on an angle. And it is just like cage and sheet metal ripped to shreds and stuff. The motor's broken in half. Like the whole car is just destroyed except for the cage and where the driver's sitting at the seat. Everything else is gone. Don't skip on your cages, people. If you're going to do a cage, don't do it for show. Do it right. So, anyway. So needless to say, um, the Porsche's not around anymore, unfortunately. God rest its soul. Yes, yeah. but I still do have the truck. Don't have any plans on making any more doppelgangers, at least for now. <laughs> <laughs> never say never, right? Yep. But it worked. Like I said, you had such a creative idea in the fact that nobody would have gone, oh, here's a truck nobody's ever heard of, and here's a build that nobody's done yet, and they're going to look like each other. Yeah. It's just... I love and it. it. It just made me happy. Oh, it made everybody happy. That's what well, I when I did it, I was worried, I guess, if you could... I mean, I don't really... I give... You live freely. Yes, yes we understand. I, yeah. I live freely, but yeah. I yeah. was I was under the impression that the car wasn't going to receive as much praise as it did, like in the community. Like when I got approached shortly after it was debuted at Red Square Car Show, Jalopnik reached out, did an article on it, and I just reading Jalopnik comments is like <laughs> as bad as reading YouTube commenters' yes, responses. Is. Yeah, you can't do that. And I was like... I'm not really going to let myself get upset with what people have to say about something that I created. Yeah. And I'm going to stick to my guns and it is what it is. But when it came out, I can't, I mean, hundreds and hundreds of really positive, you know, praise comments and very little criticism or people shunning it like I thought they would, <laughs> but you know, it's to each their own and and now look, everybody and their brother has an RWB. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, a lot of those, the people on the internet, it's the, the keyboard cowboys, the ones that never get off their parents' couch, you know. They're the Jalopnik 
commenters. Exactly. Sure. Well, they're, they're YouTube commenters. They're probably commenting on both. Yeah, that might yeah. Be honest, yeah. What I would have done when my project car is finished, my dad has. My like, uncle. Wow, he'll still do that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Or I had one just like this. Yeah, exactly. It looked exact. It, it yeah. was an exact replica. I don't have any pictures, but. Way to it copy it. Yeah. <laughs> Way to take your original idea and make it mine. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to save one of my favorites for last, but, uh, your Mercedes. Now, I'm referring to the GLA okay. because when I first saw it, I had never seen a build like that either. Which at the time, at least not in the GLA, it's for you guys on the. I'll, there'll be photos of it here for the listeners. But if you can ever imagine an overlanding built Mercedes GLA, there you go. And I love it because again, this is before overlanding was ever really a thing. It was my first time ever seeing. Like now, you see uh, a bunch of Subarus lifted and all that. Yeah, and and you see them with bull bars and fog yeah. lights and very similar stuff. But at the time, I wanted to. Well, I had luckily because of a relationship that I had with Mercedes Benz of Linwood and the the owners there. We had been doing work for them for some time. Uh, this was years ago, and. One time I was there, they had the engineers demoing and bringing this car that was yet to be in production. And I got to see a GLA before it even, before I could even find spy photos or anything online. I saw the car in person. I got stuck to the engineers. Uh, the guy had a background from Cosworth and he was telling me about oh. the two liter motor making 400 horsepower. And it was just like, this is insane. Good fuel efficiency. I got to sit in the car. I was like, this is my car. And at the time, my daily driver was an Audi 4000 with a 20 valve turbo swap that Dang. had an upgraded turbo. And another girlfriend of mine at the time used to say that it was like taking a garbage can to outer space <laughs> because it was an absolute rocket ship, but it was a total heap of crap. Like I left the doors unlocked, the seats were ripped up, it had red leather, but anything pulled up on me, they, they would just see my taillights because, <laughs> you know, 400 Taking horsepower and like 1800 pounds, like yeah. <laughs> you have to have something pretty strong to contend with that. So you had a group B rally car. That's cool. <laughs> Basically a group B rally car. It made all the, the cool turbo sounds and everything. And then it was like, I saw the GLA and instantly in my mind, I was like, I've got to have this and I've got to make it a rally car. Yes. And that's what, before the car even came out, before I ordered it, before I did anything, like I, I found what pictures I could. We photoshopped on, you know, like the armor and how like I was going to build this car to look overland or rally inspired. Yeah. And then it was just a waiting game for the car to come out and to, to the point where we could order it and to the point where I could get it. And then eventually I got it and it was delivered, picked it up in Beverly Hills and drove it up. And it was a phenomenal car. And I think the day I got it back, I started working on it. <laughs> and oh, I know uh, you were working it on the way on on it on the way. Oh, back I, from installed California. Clear, I installed ClearBra before I even <laughs> yeah. drove it out of the parking lot. <laughs> yeah. They had to kick me out of the dealership because they were like, "We can't let vendors in here." You know, you're risking. And I was like, "No, I it, it's me. Like, I just bought the car. I'm doing this." And they were like, "We can't have you installing ClearBra in the showroom." And I'm like. It's my car. Too bad. Like, I'm doing it. <laughs> and so... Maybe I don't want to buy this car Yeah, I think, I think as soon as I won the... Because I actually accidentally bought my GTR from Katz via eBay. I, as soon as I won the bid, I was like, oh, I'll order parts for it now. Like, I forgot soon, about that. Yeah. I didn't realize it at the time. Like, it was one of those late, late night bids. And I was like, oh, it's a Katz in Linwood. Perfect. <laughs> so I showed up and got it. But I, like... Woke up to winning the auction. It was like, oh, intakes. I need mid pipes. <laughs> check, like, check. Yeah, check. clear side markers. Like, what are the basics I need here? You're doing the same thing with the cruiser. I think you had parts for that. Oh yeah, I did. You. I had parts yeah. for the cruiser before I got to. I had to pick it sure. up in Florida, and so I got to Florida and drove it home and started putting parts. I had the lift already here, the tires and everything already paid for. So I that's drove it the up. best way. Yeah. That's how you know you got the right car is when you have everything ready to make it your own before you even got it. Yep. Even if it's just the idea. I drove it, yeah, I drove it home. My dad went with me, so I drove it home, dropped my dad off. The next day, I went and put the tires on it, and then the lift, like, a week later. I bet he fit it in, so I was like... It's insane. Yeah, so you have... So that is that is that, is that your shop car slash daily driver now? That yeah, that's is? the shop car okay. um, promotional vehicle. Uh, I do drive it quite a bit, but I try to give equal love to my polyamorous vehicle addiction. <laughs> Let's go into that a little while. <laughs> 
There's so many cars here. There's so many cars. These are the ones that are just popping into my head. But I mean, there's the other Mercedes. Yeah. We have the Citroens. Yep. Which we want to talk about. We have the. We the have Mits- your beautiful bus. Let's talk about the Citroen. The purple car. Joker mobile. With my hypnotic hubcaps. Today is the fifth year. Uh, I bought it five years ago today. Oh. Congratulations. And I hate driving on, on it on it next to the freeway. I'm going to be honest. Oh, you oh freaking hubcaps. Uh, you, you can't freeway speeds. You can't. It's not quite as crazy as it is at lower speeds. No, no, I'm saying. But wonderful car. I was like, yeah. oh. <laughs> there are some hubcaps that I've designed that have yet to be on there that are essentially calibrated as best as I can to be like the perfect illusion at 60, where it changes colors on you. And like it has to do with like the cones in your eyes and like the, the frame rate that you like see. <laughs> but like essentially, if like if you and Dan were in a car next to me at sixty, these ones that I have, your cones might see green and his might see red, and then you'd be like, "Look at those red wheels," and you'd be like, "Green," and then, but you know, the dress is purple, the dress is white. Yeah, yes, exactly. exactly. Yeah, but this okay. one, I had designed these years ago before. The dress or the, was it the dress that was first or the laurel? I don't remember. Whatever. The dress is what comes to mind, yeah. but there's been others since. Yeah. I'm going to be honest with you. I saw it both colors. So <laughs> I got um, I got the Citroen five years ago from Boise. The gentleman's name that I got it from, his name was Harold. And, and it, it was on, it's a DS21 and it's a 1970 technically. It's titled as something slightly different, but it's 1970. It's a four speed on the tree and it's the Palos, which is the highest level trim, has the most sound deadening, has three inches of padding when you step into the car. So just your foot getting in, it just feels like, I mean, there's more padding in that than there is in a Rolls Royce when you step into a Rolls. I mean, I mean, that car floats. And, and the Rolls technology uh, or sorry, the Citroen technology was licensed to Rolls-Royce, the hydropneumatic suspension. And if I'm not mistaken, I don't know about the new Phantoms that just came out, but even just the previous generation was using a very similar hydropneumatic system for the smooth ride. Not much has changed since 1954 to 2017. It's still the best suspension. I remember you brought it to Exotics one time and came in and set it down. Yep. And somebody goes, why would you put hydraulics on that? And this old guy like <laughs> smacked him in the back of the head and goes, no, boy, that's not hydraulics. Yep. <laughs> Hydro-pneumatics. Yeah. <laughs> the kid was just like dumbfounded. And the guy just gave him a lecture. At the end, it was like a learning experience. But it's like, no, you don't understand. Like, so This was before bags. Yep. 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 And it's wrapped matte purple. Yes. It's originally white with a silver top. And it is wrapped matte metallic purple and then a satin pearl white on the top. And my inspiration behind that was a coach builder who's being honored this year at Pebble by the name of Henry Chaprone. He did a custom build for a princess. And this was back in like 1970. It was like a, the Duchess of Wales or it, I don't quote me, but he did a special build and it was recorded as like the very first and only purple Citroen ever. And it was a convertible D with my same turning headlights, white top, white interior, pretty crazy but i was like well if it's the first and last and only purple one then why don't i just do purple yeah because they made every color under the sun they made over a million ds's they now made I'm a ton of different to colors the Porsche colors i mean he was saying that other guy said he copied it no <laughs> <laughs> now he's i was definitely influenced no. <laughs> uh but the hypnotic hubcaps were definitely something that i personally hadn't seen before or things that you know, but it was a perfect canvas. And, you know, I've had probably 10 or 12 different iterations of hypnotic hubcaps. And I've figured out the exact method and which is best. And I've, I've gone through it all. And now I have a lot of them hanging on walls and other places. And see so many people go, Oh, I want hypnotic hubcaps or whatever. Just put it on the car. Blake here's, I can see him sitting at night going, okay, if I change this pattern a little bit, this will change the the research you put into what your, your hubcaps is more than I put into taking my insurance test. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're a big design fan in general, though. I mean, I was saying, and we're going to sidetrack on cars a little bit here because it's kind of a cool topic. One of the things you posted the other day that I was, immediately I'd never, I hadn't seen you post anything like this before was a couch that you'd done. Yes. And I didn't, I mean, I knew you were 
into design. You've always been to us in the car world. You're just, you're a very fashionable guy. That's part of what you're known for with your cars is you, you stand out in a good way in that way of your own style. How did you do, did you do the upholstery yourself then? Uh, you know, the upholstery, I, the, the fabric, it's Alexander Gerard fabric that was a vintage fabric. It's being remade right now out of Denmark, which it took weeks and weeks and weeks to get, but I was able to get this remanufactured vintage fabric to do the upholstery on the couch. So I worked with a friend of mine, Northwest Crafted Interiors, and Scotty has been doing upholstery for a very long time. Him and his son Jordan do great work. They have their own seat designs. They do a lot of work in the Volkswagen scene, and they're really good stuff. And Scotty, the father, used to do upholstery, and he had done a sound chamber chair for me that I had designed with like a diamond stitch pattern, and I had redone... I'll, I maybe I'll include some photos of that too. Yeah, I'd love to see it. Uh, but that's a total oral experience. But as far as design goes, with that couch or with everything that I do or well, that's surround a, that's a, that's myself. That's a good transition because you're kind of an older soul. Like, not only does you, you like vintage vintage furniture, you like your you have a vintage home. I have a vintage home. I have vintage cars, vintage furniture. I wish sounds I, like you were born too late. Yeah, I definitely <laughs> am an old soul. Yeah. I appreciate good design and not everybody. I mean, the Citroen is a perfect example. Some people regard it. I mean, it's been voted by designers, Pina Farina, Zagato, Bertone. They all ref, they all say that the Citroen DS21, my purple car, is the most beautiful car ever made ever, period. You can't, it can't be beat. Then there's other people who think, who are so appalled at its design that they have such disdain and disgust on their face when they have to tell me how much they hate my car <laughs> and how ugly it is and can't believe it's bright purple. But the great part about, I think, all of my cars is that they, they evoke emotion. Yeah. And I People love... People are still talking about them, no matter if they're hating them or liking them. Yep. Yeah, so. and, it, it, and it creates an emotional response. And you can see it on people's face, whether they light up because they're elated or whether they just furrow their brow and, ugh, they just, they just... You can see that the car is controlling them in a weird sense and not just hypnotically, but uh, in other ways <laughs> too. <laughs> I, I love your car because like you know, like some of our previous guests, like uh, John's E30 or coming up Keith's Trophy Rat, they're cars I immediately see and I look at them and I go, I want to know the story here. This car is not just something that's out of a parts catalog. They're like, oh, that'll look good. That'll look good. It's like, there's a story there. And all your cars have said that to me since I've seen every single one. And it's funny. I, When I saw your truck for the first time, I didn't know it was yours per se, but I looked at it and I thought it was yours. Yeah. I looked, I was like, that's probably Blake's. I'd never seen it before. Yeah, I had Blake never car. talked to you. Yeah, I was like, that's probably Blake's. Like, it was just like... This has a vintage vibe. This yeah. is weird. Yeah, yeah this, this is weird. weird. This is it, super different, but it's really uh, cool, and I like it. It's probably Blake's. Yeah. Just, now it, I understand the hubcaps. People come up to him and hate his car, and he goes, no, look into the hubcaps. Yeah. Now you like it. <laughs> <laughs> I do. Yeah. No, I've heard... I mean, I've spoken to you a lot about your Citroen uh, a lot, and then there's another gentleman, an older gentleman that comes to exotics all the time. And oh, I, Frank. Frank. Frank, yes. Yep. And Frank, I mean, knows everything, and I mean... Oh yeah, Rival, may even rival you on it, but I mean. Oh yeah, no, as he. Far as, I mean, he's been doing it a lot longer. He's than got me. a lot of them too. I mean, yeah, he's oh, got yeah. quite a few. So, really nice guy. Well, there's I mean, also Greg Long, um, yeah. who has a bunch in the area as well. I mean, there's a handful of really passionate uh, Citroen collectors in the area. Um, we're very fortunate to have one of the best mechanics in the country, local to here, um, and he does all my servicing and keeps my car running tip-top shape and I wouldn't hesitate to drive it to South America right now because he always makes sure that everything is is taken care of and as long as you replace everything with OEM factory parts or reconditioned factory parts nothing else really breaks it's when people start trying to hobble together a pair or try to take it on like it's not a eclectic French car and then it's if a French you, car. It'll give up before you do. Yeah. <laughs> if you replace one part that, with the part that's not supposed to be there, it can cause a lot more domino effect yeah. of failures down the line. So That happens with the Triumph, too. 
I wouldn't hesitate to drive it to South America either. It wouldn't make it, but I wouldn't hesitate to drive it there. <laughs> I'd, Portland would be a lovely place to stop. <laughs> <laughs> if you make it. Yeah, so it's downhill. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> Let's take a quick break. Uh, there's more cars to cover. We got a lot more to talk about. We'll be right back. Hey, everybody. This is Dan from Rain City Supercars. Rain City Supercars is brought to you by M Squared Fitness, personalized fitness and personalized performance. Nick and I are both members at M Squared and can personally testify to the great results. You can find M Squared Fitness at m2-fitness.com or on Facebook or Instagram at m2fitnessredmond. Mention Rain City Supercars and get your first visit free. But remember, you've got to mention Rain City Supercars. And we're back. Uh, the next vehicle that, of course, I'm in love with and like our good friend Jason has, you have a vintage Volkswagen bus. That I had I to do. concentrate really hard because we were talking about it, and the, the V word was <laughs> being thrown about. But yeah, um, I love Jason's van, but your bus is fantastic. <laughs> thank you, thank you. <laughs> I have to spend the whole week with him. <laughs> Super, thanks. Make it a hate mail at work now. So, uh, what year is your VW? Uh, it's sixty-four. Sixty-four. Uh, Twenty-one. Twenty-one. Okay. And it is unique because. It is not a pass-through, meaning it doesn't have two captain's chairs in the front. Most 21s were a walk-through um, that the, had passenger seating. Yeah. I've got a solid bench, and mine was factory upfitted from Westphalia so you have to have wall. a camping interior. So I have a full partition right behind me on my bench, and then the, the back is kitted out with a pull-out bed and a table and a reverse-facing bench that looks backwards and it has the sliding Wabasto sunroof and some unique racks that were made by a guy period correct in Spokane. And it's just, it's unique and it's one of the only camping 21s that I've ever seen to exist. And I use it for just that. And the reason why I have that is because of the experiences that it provides. Again, it's, I mean, most of my cars fall into this category, but for me, it's a lot about the smiles per mile. Yep. It's hard and to beat a bus for that. Yep. You get thumbs up, you get peace signs, you get some signs that you, I'm, I'm not sure what they are. Um, Random weeds thrown at you. I didn't learn really that part excited. of the sign language. Yeah. I have yet to learn that yeah. part. Um, uh, it's, it's a different culture. I, uh, Jason and I drove over to Leavenworth with a, a Volkswagen group uh, about a year ago, and I drove his Westphalia, and he drove Stella. And the July camping trip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. a yeah. year ago from last weekend, essentially. Yeah. Yep. And I mean, going over the pass at thirty miles an hour, <laughs> barely. Yep. But you're right. Like people are. I mean, I, I had never experienced that, and I understood that it existed. But Jason goes, just just drive. He goes, you're going to be fine. You'll have fun. And I did because I spent the whole time driving like this, and people going by and honking, and you know. They, the the part that's really confusing is the people who have no idea that it you know that these Volkswagens can't go fast. Like when they get upset, it's like you poor soul. You have no idea. That you don't understand. You don't how understand. far into the floor my foot is. Yeah, like it's <laughs> like when I got my bus. I literally would floor it to the point where my floor my floor pan was rusty when I bought it, but eventually flooring it, my foot went through the floor, literally. <laughs> and at that point, that's when I decided, okay, new floor plan, uh, new floor pan, and I'm going to upgrade the motor. So my bus has got a Willwood big brake kit. It's also got a 2375, which is an extremely high performance uh, race motor. And it's got probably 180 to 200 horsepower. It's important to get to those camping <laughs> spots before other people do. And it's be able just to important. stop when you get it's, there. It's important to go 70 <laughs> for me. You know, I had no idea you've had this done, but I am not surprised at all. I'm just laughing over here. I'm like, of course it does. <laughs> yeah. Well, I couldn't, you know, leave no, t no stone Going unturned. unturned. Yeah. That's yeah, awesome. Exactly. It's, it's like Blake says that and, we, and everybody goes, ah, doesn't surprise me. <laughs> yeah. You know, one of my things, one of my favorite photos you have is your profile picture right now. And it's you and your dog in the bus. Yes. And man, I love your dogs. They're some of my favorite dogs every time I see them. I've, it's French bulldogs and they're adorable. The little bat pigs. They're just the cutest <laughs> thing ever. Yep. I want one so bad. Just like, cause like I would get, I would just have it in one of those life jackets with a handle all the time. So be like, here we go. You're coming with me. It'd be yep. like, well, I have them in carrier bags and they go, they literally yeah. come, they literally come and go anywhere I go, they go and they'll either be, depending on what car we're driving, they'll either need to be in their houses or 
be free roaming and they free roam in most of the vintage cars because the interiors aren't perfect and they're my family members. So they run around, they get chauffeured in the back of the Citroen, all three of them, they can jump all around, ah. but they'll in the Citroen, they'll, they'll all sit in the back. Like it's driving miss Daisy. And I, I'll look back there like, really? Nobody wants going, to sit father? next to me. <laughs> Nobody wants to sit next to me. You guys are just back there chilling. All right. Where to next? We don't pay you to look at us, sir. Keep driving. Yeah. yeah. Keep Once more coming. around the park, bitch man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we, we talked about it earlier, but uh, I mean, you're, you're a huge animal lover. Uh, and obviously, I mean, I have, I'm a huge dog guy. I love, I, that's why I have pets of RTC, the Instagram. Cause I, my, I go for the dogs at this point. I've seen all the cars and yep. like, did I'll you, see one or two every couple of weeks of cars that I mean, that'll be like, Oh, that's amazing. And I'm like back to the puppies. Yep. <laughs> did you have a lot of pets growing up? Uh, in fact, I had a lot of pets. Yes. I was going to call my dad kind of like a lifeline on my way over here because it's truly hard to remember. It it almost seems like it's make-believe looking back at it. But we had over 100 animals growing up. It was like Dr. Doolittle. I was just going to say that. <laughs> it was pretty insane. We had a potbelly pig. Her name was Perfect. She was 300 pounds. She lived in our... 600 square foot duplex with us and the other 999 animals. Uh, we had 50, 60 birds. We had guinea pigs, hamsters, gerbils, rabbits, dogs, cats, birds, fish, reptiles, sharks. And I'm probably like... Sorry, did you say sharks? Yeah, we had a saltwater tank and sharks. Um, so you were either going to be small, a florist, small, small, small. Uh, clean cars, or be an evil... Uh, Doctor scientist in a uh, well. What what's crazy is like you know you see these like these you, like cat, they had small sharks. It's okay. Yeah, they weren't no full grown. It was just no a, laser it was, beams. They were baby great whites. Oh, baby, just baby, they were just, uh, <laughs> baby grands. But you look at these like these people who have like all these cats. You know, like these cat hoarders where they have like 30, 40 cats. And you the way that they're depicted, it's kind of like easy to like imagine that we had a hundred animals and like put me in a place where like it was extremely slovenly and dirty and disgusting. But my parents were so dedicated to our animals that the money that we did have was all towards different types of foods and fresh vegetables. And we cleaned the bird cages multiple times a week. And I grew up learning responsibility. I have, I have my three French bulldogs, all of whose seven, Violet and Harby, who are siblings. Uh, Harby is deaf. Um, so I got them as the pair from the breeder. And I've also got a bird. Uh, she's a military macaw, and she is around 40 years old now, but I got her when I was seven. And Whoa. there's nothing like your parents allowing or encouraging and or gifting you an animal that lasts 100 years when you're seven. <laughs> I'll tell you, that's that's taught me a Here's lot a about pet. responsibility. You will die before it does. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, I love pets. That's a lot of commitment. That's a long-term care in your will commitment. Oh yeah. I had no idea. I mean, she's a great bird. She goes on car rides. I take her out in the backyard. She loves me more than anything else in the world. She hates women, um, <laughs> including my mom who was the hand that fed her for many, many years. But my mom has chunks out of her arm, uh, from her biting my mom. So thankfully, my mom kept feeding her because she's still alive today. Maybe a snapping turtle next. They live a long time and what, they're nicer. What happened to the bird, mom? I don't want to talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> that bird will so, never bite me again. So I guess that's, that's really why, you know, animals, rescue animals, uh, paws, it's, it's been in me since a kid. And I can't, I can't help it. That's I just, awesome. I love animals way more than I love humans. And that's easy to do rescue yeah. rescue animals. I feel extremely bad for because I'm like, I put myself into the animal's shoes and it's like, this animal is loyal and dedicated and would do anything for you. And you, the human who has any means to take care of it or give it the best life it possibly can, even if that's just by your side through thick and thin that this person chooses to abandon that dog or animal. I understand punching a human. I will never understand hitting an animal. Oh, of course not. I mean, like, just, 
I actually, did you hear that? This is off topic, but they are now looking to, to, to you, that's the many the same punishment if you're a if you're a pedophile and things like that, it's, or if you beat an animal. Uh, I think that that would that would uh, help. I agree. You definitely need to go to registry. Yeah, you, and you get registered. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that would that would help a lot on. I would love dog that. Yeah, I would great. love that, and I w- I wish it would be proactive because I actually had a very disgusting act happen to me when I was in um, high school, uh, being harassed by a group of guys where they actually poisoned my dog. And I would love for them to have that on their record. Yeah. Yeah. You're, this is a terrible person. Yeah. Terrible person, point blank. It's with you for the rest of your I, life. I, I, just so we're clear, I'm, I'm not saying you should hit people either, but. <laughs> right. But at the same time. It's, if you're looking at hitting a dog and there's a person by, just hit the person. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Because the person can fight back yeah, exactly. and or press charges yeah, and the dog go. can't. Was that uh, Hit and Run with Bradley Cooper and the dude in the convenience store who's buying his dog like that sawdust food <laughs> and he puts the leash oh, around his yeah. neck and he takes Drags the dog. Oh, yeah. He makes him eat, makes him eat it. it. Yeah. Yeah. And then he takes the dog. Yeah, yeah takes the dog. Yeah. yeah it's I the only s- nice thing he does in that movie, but yeah. Yeah. Well, he was funny. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. There's no bad dogs. There's just bad owners. That's. I agree. All, all the time. This all kind of boils back down to the reason why I started Northwest Auto Salon was I wanted to work somewhere where I could bring my dog to work. And I had been previously employed and that was shunned or I wanted to be able to take Moki with me. And so that opportunity, those, those doors closed and I decided to take a leap of faith and open Northwest Auto Salon so I could bring my dog to work. I remember that. Like one of the first times I ever met you was that you were doing a burger and car wash and you guys were still near Fisherman's Wharf. Yep. And Moki was the first one that greeted everybody. Like, oh, yeah. Right there. Just yep. and, and had to see everybody, you know. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And she always slammed her head into people because yeah. bull terriers don't have whiskers. Yeah. And so they just are tactile with that huge bonehead and they just slam into I'm people. I'm a lot like that. You know, lack of whiskers, huge, you know, huge head. Yeah. Tactile. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Like I said, um, it's, it's been a pleasure knowing you, like I said, and knowing somebody that, that lives outside the box and colors outside the lines. I really enjoy it. Well, it does it in a good, healthy way. Yeah. Cause you give a lot back and that's important. Um, it's extremely important. That's why we started this. we like to feature people who give back in some way. So, and I appreciate you guys for honoring me with that. And after listening to last week's episode, I, it kind of brought to mind, like, why is it that I like animals so much? And then I remembered my childhood and <laughs> all hundred plus animals that we had in sounds like you had tiny, an awesome childhood. tiny square footage. Oh, I, I wouldn't it have it, like I wouldn't have it any other labor, way, but <laughs> I wouldn't have it any other way sure. because it taught me work ethic. And I think that it's something that I find very attractive in other humans is somebody who's dedicated and passionate and hardworking. Yeah. If you could start passing that down to, I mean, you don't have to have kids, but other generations are beating some of these children that don't. It's funny. I was listening. I'm triggered. I don't care. Go back to work. (laughs) Complain about it later. You got a job to do right now. Yeah. Rob Dom did one of those Q and a things a long time ago. One of the things he said, somebody asked him back when he got first got started on YouTube, they're like, how do I become successful on YouTube? You know, it's the same way you become successful in anything. If you're not Work obsessed hard. with it, you're not gonna you're not gonna be success, successful with it. Yeah. And and he said, once you're obsessed with something, he's like, you'll work at it all the time. Yeah. But it's true obsession. He's like, that's the only way you. He, that's because he he did had a small IT company before that, and he did a detail company before that. And he said he just I became obsessed with it. I had to know everything about it. Yep. And I see that trend with everybody who's running their own successful businesses, or they don't last. Well, it's it. There's no there's no trick to success. Success comes from hard work and yep. hard work wears you down if you're not obsessed with it. Exactly. And, you know, there's time. I mean, I've pulled so many all nighters. I've pulled so many things and it's I'm not tired. I'm I'm energized within to complete something. And just so I can have that that minute of reveling in it to then say, OK, what's next? Because the list is never done. You know, there's always more that you can do. And, you know, I always say I can sleep when I'm dead. <laughs> yeah. It might get there early. But yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it might get to death a little quicker, but yeah. Yeah. Well, let's say, say I don't want to go out to... Uh, I don't want to go. I don't want to go out sleeping. I want. Or, or, what is it? I don't want to go out sleeping like my grandfather. But I want. I want to go out like the screaming other people in the other car. It might be the other way around. I don't want to go out screaming. 
<laughs> like the people in my grandfather's car want to go out sleeping like he did. Yeah. <laughs> or something like that. I don't know. Who knows? Who knows? But That was not what I was thinking at all, but I like the quote. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, it's one of those. Who knows? <laughs> just so we're clear, my grandfather did not kill anybody uh, that <laughs> I know of. Record. That I, yeah, just, <laughs> allegedly. Allegedly, yes. We learned that from Mr. Eltingham. Allegedly. So, yeah. Well, um, I really appreciate you coming on and taking the time and uh, kind of sharing your passion with, you know, not only for cars, but, you know, for your work life and for the animals in the world. And I still cannot believe you have a parrot that's 40 years Like. I like birds, and I that that's that's a lot. Yeah, she was ten years older than me when I got her. Dang! And so it's it's still a long journey ahead. Good. And well, it's always nice to have a pet that you know you can pass on to other generations. Of course. Yeah, <laughs> and and I understand after it bit the crap out of your mom why she gladly gave it to you. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Here, you feed it. <laughs> yeah. It's your problem now. It's your problem. Right. I mean, pet. I mean, pet. Yeah. I mean, pet. it's your pet. Yeah. Well, thank you for coming. Um, as always, I'm Nick. I'm Dan. And don't I'm just get there. And oh, we want to start oh, over? Look at that. Let's do this over again. Yeah. Yeah. So, so for, I'm Nick. I'm Blake. I'm Dan. And don't just get there. All right. We're back. Uh, unexpectedly. But, but I thought we ended. We did end. We kind of went and enjoyed the drive. Well, we enjoyed the walk down to the parking lot, then decided we weren't over. No, we weren't. Uh, Blake decided to show us something a little special and new coming from, what do you, Blake Industries? Yeah. <laughs> I don't quite have my super corporation You don't have your super yet. corporation yet? Okay, so explain to us what we just saw. What you saw is a Seattle-based company that offers state-of-the-art equipment to do mobile tire installation wherever you are. You know, our motto is we make tires easy. Uh, that means we come to your home or we go to your work or the gym or the movie theater, wherever, you know, baseball field while your kids are playing a game because time is money and tires are on everything and everybody needs them, some sooner than others, uh, as Dan can attest, yep. uh, based off of your mileage. And I wanted to give the people, the enthusiasts of the Northwest, a reputable and uh, high-performing shop that cannot mess up valuable wheels. And here we are. And uh, there is a big need for this. I've asked this at Avance. I've asked this for people I know. Who can do my tire changes without messing up my wheels? So just so we're clear for the layman, if you have a car and you either buy tires from Blake's new company or you bought tires, he will come to your house anywhere you are and install your tires. And he knows what he's doing because obviously you know him from Northwest Auto Line and and Northwest Auto Salon and how he deals with cars. So it's going to be the utmost respect and care for your vehicle. I, I have never, I, it's one of those, how did you put it to you go? It's one of those things that nobody knows they need yet, but they totally need it. Yeah. And yeah. I, as soon as I, he did not tell us about this before the podcast, no. nothing at all, which is why we dropped this record scratch yeah, in we here. Stop, we st we, we're leaving and he grins. He goes, I want to show you something. <laughs> <laughs> so we walked out. We're like, yeah. Yeah, leave like, it to Blake. So yeah. it's this awesome full length Sprinter van with, like he said, uh, all the top of the line equipment inside of it including nitrogen. So you guys with low profile tires on your Ferraris, your Lamborghinis, McLarens, any car with super nice wheels, you don't want messed up. Uh, he'll just come to you and change your tires. You're going to pay a little bit more for it, but not as much as I thought asking him the prices that depends on the series of tire, but, uh, totally worth it. And so what we're going to do, and we just discussed this right now, this was not a pre-planned thing at all. I'm going to get back from Monterey and that's when I will need new tires again for the fourth time on the Corvette. And he's going to do my tires. I'm like, screw it. I'm tired of people. I just, I've had my tires changed three times now. And they have been scratched two of the three times at two different shops. Uh, one had to have a wheel repaired. And the other one, I just said, screw it. I'm not going to deal with it again. And I just literally just touched up the wheel myself because I just got tired of dealing yeah, with shops. A repaired wheel is not the way it was OEM. So that's why I set out to, to be the wheel and tire guy. The guy who isn't going to mess anything up. Because just because a shop, if they do mess it up, doesn't make them good just because they will pay to have it fixed because the repair is never going to be what it was pre-accident condition. Exactly. And luckily they didn't crack one or anything like that, but still it ticked me off. And I've, I've called around, I actually called Roy directly and said, where do you get your wheels done in your Lambos? Because I'm tired of having this done. And uh, I, he pointed me in a good direction to a nice shop, but now I don't have to drive all the way to Mill Creek to have it done. Yep. Uh, I can just have Blake come to me 
And so we're going to do this. We're going to videotape it. I'll put it up on the, the site so you can see it. They're live now. I'll post some pictures now so you guys can check it out. Uh, if you need your wheels and tires done, Blake's your guy. I'll post a link to it, and I'll I'll post some pictures of the van because you guys got to see this setup. It's pretty it's, freaking sweet. Yeah, if it wasn't a tire van, I'd live in it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so just, I'm just saying. If you've listened to this episode and you still have some kind of weird doubts that Blake doesn't know how to do something, you probably didn't listen close enough. But uh, this is awesome. I'm actually I can't wait to post this online because people are going to dig it. I already have people at work. I'm just going to send that way because my boss has got like ten Porsches and he's having this. Cantrell does a lot of his work, but. Yeah, and I mean, he's on the go twenty four seven. I know, I know, plenty of car collectors. They when they have a multitude of cars, they don't want to move every single one. They don't want to drive everyone to a shop. Some of them are so expensive, you know. Yes, that agree. It's it's not worth even taking them out to risk them being at a shop. So why don't you let me come to where you're most comfortable, your car being, and let me do my thing. Let's get new tires and on your car. If, if you're sitting there saying exactly what I said, okay, I live in a, a building and I've got a garage. How are you going to get that van in there? He actually I've has got a, it. He's got a guy. He's got a car that will go get the wheels, bring them to him where he's outside. He will fix your wheels, put your new tires on, and put it back on the car. The problem, every problem, like I said, I didn't know I needed this. Yeah, I'm just now. I need to go out and drive, so I need new tires. I, that's what I was saying. <laughs> yeah, let's like, let's put tires exactly, on your car too. Exactly. I immediately looked at this, looked at this and thought. I should have thought of this. Yeah, genius idea. Genius idea. It's the Amazon Prime of tire changing, yep. and that is the way the world is going to and the way, the way the world works now. So if you are somebody who has a really nice car and don't have a lot of time, this is your solution. Yep. Well, we just we just had to we had to get that in. So. Well, I appreciate you guys doing this. Yeah. Uh, I was happy to show it to you and Thanks. see the excitement and the look on your guys' faces because this is why I do the things I do. Yeah. Smiles per mile, even if it's just... Uh, <laughs> Even if it's just a realization that I can save you time or money or the headache of damaged wheels or sitting at a tire shop because all those things suck. Yes. And this doesn't. Exactly. What's your range? Where are you, what's your home area are you going to be? Uh, we're going to be Seattle based. And then uh, we have uh, more trucks that are going to expand the, the, the area okay. of service area. But I'm going to need a whole lot more trucks. Understood. Understood. Yeah, you are. You're going to be very busy. You're going to be booked up real quick as soon as I post this because there's already like a list in my head of I like, oh, you guys need to know about this. Yep. <laughs> so it's called Right Away Tire. Check it out. Rightawaytire.com. Um, and like I said, our motto is we make tires easy. And that's what I set out to do. And you're going to do it. Yep. So thanks for coming. Yeah. Thanks okay. again. We're going to try one more time for Rain City Supercars. I'm Nick. I'm Blake. I'm Dan. And don't just get there. Enjoy the drive.